This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. It is 7.40. I'm Howard Feldman. This is Your Morning Mayhem. It's 101.9 High FM. Julian Resnick, a very, very good morning. Thank you for joining us. How are you? We are not hearing you, Julian. Um, let's just check. I think it's can on. Can you hear me now? Now we can. Can you hear me now? Now we can. I think there was a problem on our side. Apologies for that. How are you doing today? Um, you know that that's a, in, in Israel when you ask people how you're doing today, it's a it, you know you can get the short answer, which is the one one usually gives, which is fine, thank you, or you can you know you can talk a little bit more about, about what's really you know the feeling being uh, you know living over here. I, by the way, just came back from South Africa a few days ago. Oh wow! So we probably uh, missed each other. I was in Israel last week. So I know you were. So, I, follow, I followed you in Israel. So uh, yeah, it's uh, well, and, and and in fact, the distinct impression that I got was exactly what you're saying: is that it almost felt at, like a shiver house, and in the sense that you walk into a shiver house when people are mourning, there is laughter. There can be laughter. There are moments of laughter. There are moments of of okayness and then there's moments of 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 sadness and that's what i felt wherever you went you had this feeling of people being okay but then not okay happy but then you know a morning again would you agree with that you know there's something i've lived in israel for a long long time i've lived here for 47 years wow. and okay. um it, you know it it is a um, it's an extraordinary place israel you know whatever anybody else who you know, has to say about Israel. It's extraordinary because I think the thing that that really um, gets to people most when they arrive, or the thing that surprises people most, is this extraordinary energy. Mm. There really is an energy. There is a, a decision almost that we made when we created the state that uh, this was going to be a place filled with energy. It was going to make up for some of those dark moments in our history. And now all of a sudden, one of those dark moments is upon us again. And we, the, the energy is still there. The, the decision to live a full and good life is still here. But you're absolutely right. It's like you know, you take off and you, you take off some of your day to, as it were, to enter into the shiva mm. or the shloshim. My my yeah. family, unfortunately, we've, we've just been through a shloshim over here. One of my my cousins, whose whose father made aliyah from South Africa, uh, lost her son fighting in Gaza. And uh, she's an unbelievable woman with fantastic energy, the head teacher of a serious school. And yet she, her life is now filled with this mm -hmm. incredible pain, as, as wonderful as she continues to be. And I know she's going to continue to make a contribution. But there's the side now that's always going to be with her. And it's not just, uh, it's not going to be a, a Shiva or a Shloshim. It's that's going to be part of who we are mm -hmm. for forever in a way. Well, there seems to be a little, really a little doubt about that as well, because and certainly the this generation that are starting to return from this war, those that have been involved. I think even anyone who's lived 
through this period will be impacted uh, permanently. But uh, let's talk about the soldiers that are, are coming home from the front lines. H- how are they managing? What, what is the current situation there? So I would just say that for me, as somebody who's been involved in education here for, for most of my life, one of the hardest things is when these wonderful, wonderful guys, the guys I educated when they were teenagers and now really in their, in their 30s and 40s, some of them have come back from uh, three months. And the aggression that you unfortunately have to have to have as part of the way you behave on a daily basis when you're in the front line. I was in a good infantry unit myself many, many years ago. There's a necessary level of aggression that you need. It's not that you want, but that you need. It, you don't just leave it behind when you return home. The, you know, the, besides the, the fact of, of jumping at slight noises of, of things sort of, you know, like re- creating responses in you that you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. How do you re-enter your family? How, after you've been in such a, uh, a, a tough situation, how do you, how do you hug your, your children again? How do you, you know, how do you return to a, a softer, more, gen- more gentle environment? It's really quite complicated. Where I live on the kibbutz, and I live on kibbutz Tzora, many ex-South Africans, uh, we have a person whose role it is, is to, to check in, to make sure that people uh, are, are reintegrating well. And many people are going to need help. Many partners are going to need help. Many families are going to need help. It's not, the financial help is, is, is the smallest part, to be honest. We'll deal with that, we'll get over that. We have systems in place for helping on, on that level. The complicated thing is how are people going to be, be the gentle selves they once were? And that is such a painful thing to see. Wonderful, wonderful young people who've really lived a good and decent life and are coming back with this, with these terrible scenes ingrained in their in their minds. Tough stuff. Wasn't it Golda uh, Meir who said something like that about forgiving the Arabs for for uh, killing us, but not forgiving them for turning our children into killers? And uh, you know, I spoke yesterday to another ex-South African, mm. um, a, a lovely guy who, I actually, I think, not sure he his father was well known in, in Johannesburg. Roman Eggert was his father in Johannesburg, um, and. Uh, he said his son comes back with the story of a four-year-old child being sent out as bait mm. by the Hamas into where they were. And then this, what do you do? You know, this child has been sent as bait to draw soldiers out so the soldiers can be, be killed by Hamas terrorists, God forbid. And all of a sudden, the four-year-old, you, you, you have a decision to make. He did the thing that his father said was probably crazy, but he helped him, helped the kid, helped take the kid to safety because that's what he was used to be doing, doing with a four-year-old. And then, of course, you hear these people who talk about us as if we are bloodthirsty killers. Yeah. When you know, mm. The reality is what's going on. How does he reintegrate? How does he see a four-year-old going forward? These are very painful issues that these wonderful young men are going to have to deal does, with, does, and young women, of course. Does, does the army offer a mandatory assistance in this regard? The army offers assistance. There are also quite a few um, organizations that are offering, you know, volunteering their help, but the numbers are huge. So many people are coming back from the front lines that as much as the army mm. offers assistance, they, it's overwhelming. As as, mm. it, it's overwhelming. It's mm. an overwhelming situation. 
Will we cope? We'll cope, but there'll be there'll be long term damage. There's no doubt that some of these young people will suffer this damage for the for the rest of their lives in some way, and that's a painful painful reality to live. With. And of course, the the knock on effect it's it's marriages, it's children, it's not just them in a in isolation. It's so much that they, they bring back with them. Yeah, a lot is being talked about at the moment about. You know, the, the some people are calling them the real heroes of the war, the partners who've been at home mm. with their children, the amount that they've had to deal with. And I take my my two-year-old grandson to his uh, preschool on the kibbutz, and I bump into people who, you know, until recently, who've been spending three to four months with two little kids, and they're the only caregiver. You know, if any of your, your listeners are single parents, yeah, they'll know. they know. Mm. Mm. what what that is and all of a sudden you, you know you've also built up in some way and, and you know it's not fair but you've built up some resentment because you've been at home looking after mm. and taking mm. care of and then and then your partner returns from the front line and, and he or she needs caring and hang on what about me i've been through you know to helen back in another way yeah so these yeah. are very very huge strains on relationships the a, a ceasefire is this a something that we can hope for or look towards Sorry, the in in in, uh, in the future, in the near future? So, so let me put it. Let me put it this way. You know, Israel, thank God, is an open society with uh, with a broad range of political opinions, and we we disagree on on many many things. I think one of the last consensus issues, not amongst everyone, of course, because we never have a consensus of everyone, but I mean, huge sections of Israeli society is that one last thing has to happen before there is a ceasefire, and that is dealing with the tunnels that are that have been used over the last years to bring in huge amounts of weapons and ammunition into Gaza. And once again, for those people who somehow don't seem to understand um, what Hamas has been doing to the Palestinians, mm -hmm. not to us, over the last years. Well, Hamas has been stealing money given by decent people around the world whose hearts go out to the, to the scenes of, of poor people in Gaza. And there are many poor people in Gaza, unfortunately. That money, has, as you know, was stolen to provide weapons and ammunition. We have to, whether you're on the left or the right in Israel, we agree that you have to stop the smuggling tunnels from functioning. And until that happens, there's not going to be a ceasefire. I want a ceasefire yesterday. Mm. All mm. the Hamas needs to do for there to be a ceasefire, all Egypt needs to do for there to be a ceasefire, all Qatar needs to do is to bring in the explosives to destroy those tunnels and for there to be a wall built to block for a few this you know future smuggling we can't let it happen we you know whatever side you're on politically in israel we cannot allow the smuggling of deadly weapons in the future into gaza it just it just it can't happen and you know so when people talk about you know humanitarian the humanitarian issues of course there's a terrible humanitarian mm -hmm. crisis mm -hmm. in gaza it's caused by the Hamas. If the people who are desperate for a ceasefire around the world would only change their slogans to destroy the tunnels, ceasefire now, right. I think we'd be talking sense. Yeah, we'd be talking but the same language. 
release the hostages. Yeah, it's, it's really that it actually is, unfortunately, that simple. What was the, we saw an incredible amount of protests happening in Tel Aviv on Motzei Shabbat on Saturday night. What is the, what is that really about? Because from what you're saying, it seems pretty much that Israel, both on the left and the, on the right, are very united as far as the fundamentals are concerned about Israel's safety, the hostages, destroying Hamas. All of that seems to be very much, and I didn't get, feel any disunity, no matter who I spoke to when I was in Israel. But then we see these images of these protests, which give a very different impression. Can you, can you give us some context here, if possible? Right. So I, I think the, the, the dispute in Israel, and I think it's big, by the way, I don't, you know, I don't agree that there's not, that I, I don't see unity around everything in Israel. There's unity around, around the issue of, of the war and what mm, needs to mm, be that's done. What I, that, that, that's where I saw, that, that's what I saw unequivocally the, almost. The, yeah. the, the powerful disagreements in Israel, and they are powerful and they gain to they're going Continue. to bubble through very, very soon in, in bigger ways, is around the question of political leadership. Now, I, I'm, I'm being careful to, to skirt, you know, I, I'm, I'm not giving my, my direct opinions over here, so I'm not, I don't think that's what you need mm, from me this mm. morning. But I do think that, that your listeners need to be aware that there is a huge disagreement in Israel around what the, our future political leadership needs to look like. And that's what's coming through. There's a, there is a lot of anger amongst a part of the population, I want to be fair, amongst a part of the population about who our political leadership is, what lies behind the decision, some of the decisions that our political leaders are making, whether it is the good of the country that is being thought of all the time, or whether there's some personal questions that are being uh, that, that are factoring in. Mm. And I think that's what you you are seeing. I will, you know, I will be, you know, just adding one last thing, and I'm being careful. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure about whether I would be there at the moment uh, in demonstrating or not. Even though part of me does want to be there, mm-hmm. because I, I, my, my, my difficulty my personal difficulty about the demonstrations is you know what do i say to my cousin who's lost her son and who still who still feels very strongly about the rest of his unit that is still mm-hmm. in in gaza is it you know can i say to her i was in tel aviv on motzei shabbat on saturday night and feel that she will she'll be able to grasp that uh, and and in some way integrate it mm-hmm. or not Mm-hmm. That that for me is some of the very complicated stuff around it. But you know, I I I, I know why these demonstrations are happening. There's a huge amount of frustration with some of our political leadership. Which, to be honest, if I were and I'm not in any place of leadership, I would be saying, "Well, we need to give the country, just like in South Africa." Have you guys decided on a date? 29th um, of May. Mm-hmm. That is the 29th of May. I think we need to give our 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 population a date. I think we have to say that uh, within a, a number of months, we realize that there's been a tectonic change in Israel. The people of Israel need to have the opportunity to go and vote for who the leaders are that we want us to take us into this next post-war phase. Mm, mm. And that is what I think is going on. Well, it was interesting because soon after October the 7th, I asked the question, <laughs> in my mind, there's no doubt that Netanyahu and many of uh, the other leadership need to go. The question is, and I put that to listeners, 
should they go now or should they go after the war? And our listeners felt overwhelmingly that they should go after the war. The question is, uh, did anybody think that we'd be on, on day 143 and and not, not there yet? Uh, I, I just wonder, in fact, uh, maybe you can give me that answer. 34519 or 061-8951019. Do you think, do you still... Uh, do you still think that it should wait till after the war or should there be an election now to change leadership? I certainly didn't feel, and I only realized it when I came back, that I felt the absence of Netanyahu in conversations about the war. Uh, we spoke to generals. I met with, with people, uh, government representatives, but we didn't. you didn't feel uh, it was a Netanyahu um, show. Even though I believe he is doing what he can and he is running the the, the effort, I, I didn't feel it. And I didn't feel that people around um, at various levels were feeling that he had a handle on, the, um, on this war. What's your thoughts? So I think that there's one crucial area that he has, <clears throat> excuse me, dominated, and that is the the question of the day after conversation. Mm, mm. That's a big one. It really is a, a big one. Um, <clears throat> there, there are there, there are huge questions over here. You know, the war, you know, when you say after the war, what does after the war mean? Mm -hmm. they, you know, they, they, we, we've got to a different stage. We've got through a few different stages. We're going to be at another stage hopefully soon. And then there's, it's not going to, things are not going to be over. You know, it's not going to be back to where we were on the 6th of October. There's still going to be some type of a military presence in Gaza, even after the war, until the the final situation is worked out. And I think before we get to the point of the day after, there has to be a leadership that has been voted in to actually deal with the day after. And I think that that is what we, that is what we do need. I think Netanyahu has been central in the day after conversation. And by the way, a prime minister of a country has to be central in the day after conversation. Mm, it's mm. not as if anybody, whether one is for or against Netanyahu, should actually expect the prime minister to step aside from a day after conversation. The question is, I think, with respect particularly to the end of the war and the day after conversation, there has to be a vote of confidence in a leadership to run how we wind down this situation and how we move into the next phase. And that I think we deserve in Israel. We deserve to be able to go and say either continue running things the day after conversation, this present government or something similar to it, or it's time to have a slightly uh, different leadership that handles this conversation. But I think that we are owed that by our, our leadership to move to that position. Julian Resnick standing in for Anthony Reich today. Julian, thank you. Uh, fascinating conversation on many levels. Carol Z says, interview has blown my head off my shoulders. Thank you. Absolutely fascinating. It is 8 o'clock. I'm Howard Feldman. This is Your Morning Mayhem 34519 or 0618951019. That Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohn from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. 
We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Sahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all. Oh,